spoiler warning. The following discussion will contain spoilers. We recommend checking out the movie first, then coming back to hang with us. But, if you don't care about that, glad to have you here. Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Real Review. My name's Kevin. I'm John. And we are The Real Movie Guys. It's March, so that can only mean one thing. Real March Madness. It's a tale as old as time, Disney versus Pixar. In a brawl to end it all, we have selected eight films from each studio, a total of 16 movies, will battle it head-to-head -head for superiority. On today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at The Incredibles. A family of undercover superheroes, while trying to live their quiet suburban life, are forced into action to save the world. Fun fact, John. Something I want to share with you in the audience. Fantastic Four is by far one of my favorite superhero groups of all time. I love everything about them. I love their family dynamic. I love their superpowers. So, Incredibles is the Fantastic Four. <laughs> Incredibles is Pixar's version of the Fantastic Four, essentially. And that's not a bad thing, because I think The Incredibles is a fantastic movie. Ironically, this is also brought by Brad Bird. Iron Giant, I might say, might be one of my favorite animated films of all time. It's definitely up there for me. I, even more than any kind of Disney or Pixar movie that we're reviewing, I love The Iron Giant. So, Brad Bird doing The Incredibles... Automatically, for me, there's an attraction. Now, what is your familiarity with this movie now? Were you a huge fan of it when it initially came out? Or what, what are some of your early thoughts? I don't think I really remember it when it first came out. Since it's come out, I've seen it probably like 13 to 14 times at least. <laughs> it's say. interesting with The Incredibles. I think the marketing for this movie might have been a little strange from what I remember. I don't know if it was for adults. I don't know if it was for kids. There's a discussion to be had there, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit later. But for whatever reason, in this instance, Disney's, you know, the marketing force behind this movie, I feel like they never fully got behind The Incredibles. I feel like it was always, this movie's out, we, we can't really merchandise it to an extent. Like, they only did, like, a little bit of merchandising, and they're like, well, if we can't make money on it, forget about it. And then it kind of just went away for a long time until it came back eventually with the second film, which people really clamored for. That was a big movie people really wanted, ironically. I don't know how you cannot like this movie. There's so much going on here between the art style, between the characters, the storyline. It has its weaknesses for sure. There's no doubt about that, which again, we'll discuss. But this movie, I think, stands head and shoulders of one of the best in Pixar's catalog as far as films. Considering it was before the superhero boom, really. It was before... The whole Marvel craze and DC and everyone kind of kicking up their stuff and moving on with films. The Incredibles did it first. They kind of set their own tone. And I would even say it's better than a lot of the offerings from the Marvel Cinematic Universe that we've come to know today. The Incredibles did something unique and different with its story where we've kind of become formulaic as time has gone on with those superhero films. Yeah, definitely. I feel like they were one step ahead of their time. What's really interesting about this movie is it's almost like you can put yourself in the place of them mm -hmm. when they're going through this time. When they're finally, like, they're out of, like, a job. You can almost put yourself in, like, their spot where they're not used to just being average, everyday citizens. They're always used to fighting crime and stuff. So right. they're not used to, like, the everyday norms, so it's hard for them. Relatable characters, for sure. Just the whole theming, I think, in this movie where it's life 
after the glory days? What do you do once your era has ended? Once you've done, ever achieved everything you want in your youth and you're ready to settle down, what comes after that? And then how do you include your family in your passion and love of what you want to do? You have Bob Parr kind of having a midlife crisis at this point. Can't be a superhero in any movie. You know, they have a unique idea that superheroes have been sued and banned from the world, you know, which is something that kind of would happen, I feel like, in today's society. If someone was injured or something happened, they would sue the person that's saving them. But Bob, he's in a dead-end job. He hates what he's doing. He has this still thrill about him that he wants to go out there and be a superhero. He goes on night runs with Frozone. Who's, he wants to relive those days. And when an opportunity comes up where he's given that chance to be a hero again, he jumps on it. The only problem is he doesn't look back at his family. He almost forgets... He has a family to deal with. And I think a lot of people, especially I feel like men in that instance where we have our wilder days, then we settle down, we have a family. There's still an urge of we want to accomplish something like we, we don't want to be forgotten. We want to keep moving on. And this movie really captures that and makes that easily relatable to people. This movie also shows that family dynamic, especially the one scene when they're at the dinner table and the kids are fighting back and forth and the mob's trying to stop them from fighting. And right. She's got them all up, and then Mr. Incredible, what's going on? And he just, like, lifts up, like, the table. It's, it's like a family dynamic, right? It's something that would happen in a family where the kids are arguing, the mother's trying to separate him, but the dad's like, I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. Kids, stop your fighting. Stop your fighting. Easily relatable. These characters, they're superheroes with powers, but they're not so far removed from real life that we can relate to them. It's almost as if, I want to say, the movie took the approach that they're more normal people before they're superheroes. I feel like that was the approach they went with this movie, which automatically makes them instantly attractable to me. So more important, I think, than the story and everything that's going on as far as the tale they're telling about these heroes, the vibe that this movie gives, I think, is what makes it more unique than anything else. It takes pretty much a whole 60s 007 vibe where everything from the design of the characters, the events, setting... And the score combined to make this unique film in that tone. It's as if Brad Bird, when they were making this film, said, all right, I want to make a superhero family movie, but I want it to feel also like a 007 movie from the 60s. Some of my favorite scenes are really when Mr. Incredible is going onto the island for the first time and he's fighting the robot. After he destroys the robot, he goes into like a secret meeting with Syndrome's aid to have dinner. And they totally play on this whole 007 vibe. He's literally got like a tux going on. They have the lava flowing in the background as he's trying to negotiate his way. I really like that aesthetic. This this movie's incredibly unique there where, again, I, I can't say what Brad Bird really wanted. I think he wanted a secret agent superhero movie. And with that being said, he captures that just perfectly. The, the jazzy th score... And this movie brings these scenes to life, whether it's playing it very low in some of the more mundane scenes to where it's blazing in my surround sound when I was watching this. It really just it captures that intense moment. It really upscales everything you're watching in this film, especially the more action heavy set pieces. You really feel like you're enthralled with it because of that soundtrack. And my favorite character, it has to be Syndrome. It's a conversation I think we've had endlessly on this channel to where a good villain makes a good hero, which in turn makes a good movie. And Jason Lee, who I absolutely love from anybody who knows him from the Kevin Smith movies, delivers this fanboy turned supervillain performance, which I absolutely adore. He nails the comedy when he has to. And more importantly, I think he nails some of the heart for me in this movie, where you can feel like a fanboy who's been rejected by their hero to be his sidekick. You can kind of feel for the guy a little bit where it's like, 
no, you can't be my sidekick. And he turns evil because of it, because he wants to, you know, one up, one up the hero that he was trying to tag team with. What would you say is your favorite character? I'd probably go with Edna Mode. She doesn't play like a huge part to it. But, like, I just like her interaction with everybody and how she designs these costumes and she puts so much hard work into each and every little piece of the costume trying to make sure that it, like, works perfectly for each person. It also lends into that 007 vibe I was speaking of earlier where she's essentially the Q, the gadget creator for the crew, where she gives them their gadgets before they go out on a mission. She's designing all these costumes for superheroes. And that actually leads into some one of my more interesting things I have about this movie is... The humor. The humor works really, really well in this movie to the point where it has cliche of superhero films, but it's not afraid to poke fun of them or make fun of the genre. For example, Edna, the whole famous scene from this movie is no capes, right? They have no capes. They get they get you killed. And they have like this montage of people getting killed by their cape getting stuck into there and she refuses to put that into the costume. That's really funny. And how every time I see a cape, I, I think of that scene automatically. I'm like, wow, that, that is kind of not necessary for a hero to have a cape half the time. Yeah, like it's an added accessory that just ends up getting you killed. Syndrome is also famous for this too, where he has a, a lot of scenes where he acknowledges him being the bad guy, or he acknowledges like a situation that a supervillain's in. Like when he captures Bob, Mr. Incredible, for the first time, he's telling him his evil plan. And then suddenly he stops talking and goes, oh, wait, you got me monologuing again. Oh, how silly me. They acknowledge it. They know how silly the world is of superheroes, but they're not afraid to poke fun of it. Even, like, in the early opening scene when we see Mr. Incredible going going to his wedding, he's, like, saving a cat from a tree, stopping all these crimes as he's going. He doesn't want to be late for his wedding. Uh, when he meets Elastigirl, like, we don't know they're getting married, but they have, like, their little flirtatious fight and everything like that. Again, these are all heavy superhero cliches we've seen in thousands upon thousands of comics. This movie's not afraid to have fun with it. It just, it goes for it. The voice acting is excellent on all parts of this movie. I think Craig T. Nelson playing Bob and Holly Hunter playing Helen really bring this unique family dynamic together. You truly feel like they, they belong with one another, and I feel like that's very rare especially in an animated film where you have such great voice casting that these characters almost seem like you can meet them in real life. Holly Hunter, I absolutely love too. She, she's sassy. She's caring. She captures all the right notes for me. Craig T. Nelson really has that like gruff voice to him, but he's still warm and friendly at the same time. They really work as the parents in this film. Violet and Dash, while maybe not the most like stupendous voice actors, I would say they're serviceable. I thought they were they were fine for what they were. A standout performance, which we kind of hinted at earlier, uh, Samuel Jackson as Frozone. He doesn't have many lines in the movie, but for whatever reason, whenever he shows up, he's absolutely memorable. Uh, one of the most heavily meme scenes in this movie and most reference scenes is, where is my super suit? And he's like yelling to try and find his superhero suit when the city's being attacked. And you have his white yelling in the background. Oh, I know you ain't talking to me like that. Samuel L. Jackson's automatically likable. So having him voice a character like Frozone just really works in this film. Last thing we'll talk about is the action set pieces shouldn't be ignored at all in this film. I think there's a lot of really good action. One of my favorite action set pieces in this movie is, I referenced it a little bit earlier too, is the, the fight on the island. Bob's fighting the robot and he has to try and figure out how to beat it. And he like jumps inside its body and starts stabbing itself with its claws, like, busting holes through it and everything like that. I thought that was really clever. And then when you get to the end, too, it, it doesn't disappoint. The whole You finally get to see the family come together for the first time as a hero team. 
and see them put their powers together. And you have Frozone like swooping in there as the cool uncle helping out too. These characters, this family dynamic, I really feel it by the end of the movie. How we get there is a little clunky, I think, but overall, I really enjoy that dynamic of a, a superhero family. And this movie really captures that. If a future Fantastic Four is to take notes, I think it really should take notes from The Incredibles on what they should be doing as far as, you know, making a superhero family. Kind of on a side note here, I feel like this movie, if you're looking for a break from Marvel movies, I think The Incredibles is a good choice for that. It definitely breaks the cliches of today's modern superhero films. We don't have big laser in the sky ending, you know, world ending catastrophes. It's just a fun movie. Again, if you're looking for something a little bit off the beaten path from Marvel, I think it's, it's fun to go d jump into The Incredibles. I think you'll have a good time. While not bad for kids necessarily, uh, you have to wonder, though, who the target audience is for this film. A lot of the emotional beats and what they are aiming for are extremely compelling things. Like I said, midlife crisis, dealing with family, dealing with loss of fame and coming to terms with that. That's, those aren't kid or childlike themes. A lot of the scenes, too, have to deal with Bob having this existential crisis. And while some of it's flashy and there's some good action scenes and the kids get sprinkled on screen... I would say this is more adult-themed aimed film, more for an older audience. Uh, I would say maybe more a teens and up, because I don't think there really is that much in there for young children. And it makes you wonder if this is kind of the start of Pixar starting that trend, because we're starting to see it more and more. And as we get further down the chain with Pixar films, we used to say Pixar is making, you know, it's a perfect family film, a film for families to enjoy together and have a good time. And while there's elements of that in this film, I think we're starting to see almost an evolution of Pixar saying, okay, well, that's fine, we're making a family film, but we're still aiming more towards a higher brow audience. As far as theming, as far as characters, I think they're aiming for something a little bit different than a younger demographic. That goes into another point, too, that I have with this film, and it's sort of a negative, I, I feel, is while it's supposed to be a family affair all around with this film, like dealing with the family's issues, we don't get to see much of the actual family a lot of this movie is the Mr. Incredible show and him dealing with his existential crisis. The family's involved, sure, but beyond just a few simple things, we really don't get much time with them at all. And for a movie that's decently long at times, I feel like, I don't feel like I'm really invested in any of the child characters. Violet, we know, is just like an awkward teenager who can't deal with her powers. And you have Dash, who's also having some issues at school funny scene actually earlier on when he's uh, tricking the teacher and she was like i see him doing it i see the screen it's blinking he's putting tacks on my chair and th they can't prove that it's him actually doing it see these children dealing with the issues of not being able to use their powers but beyond that i feel like we don't get enough time with the kids to really care about their character evolution or progression naturally it really is just the mr incredible story that's the one thing that after watching this movie and the other movies that we're going to talk about some of these movies seem to me 90 minutes is a perfect amount of time for these movies right and the fact that this one goes over a little bit there are some things that we can definitely deal without i would say yes and no at the same time i think maybe reorganization of priorities in this movie while they did feel the need to have all these Mr. Incredible scenes, unfortunately, though, it dramatically slows the pacing down at times. There's there's points in this movie where it really, really slows down. An older audience, I think, is going to be okay with it. I think they're going to see that it is slow, though, too. A younger audience, I can't really see how they're going to deal with it. If there's nothing really flashy happening on the screen and they're just having conversations, I see a younger audience easily tuning out and not having as good of a time. I think if they managed maybe some of their 
their scenes a little bit better. I think the hour 55 minute runtime that this movie ran at, I think it, it could have been better managed with just more scenes of, of the family and seeing how they, they grew together. Again, we're, we're really just getting the Bob Parr story, which Mr. Incredible is the focus of this movie, but at the end of the day, this movie's called The Incredibles. I think a little more focus on other characters would have helped go a long way with making this film even better. That being said, I think we're ready to give our final scores. I'm going to give The Incredibles an A. This movie's fantastic. It's one of the better superhero movies, I think, from the Pixar catalog here. I think they did a really good job capturing that family dynamic. If this movie does nothing else, it really knows how to do that. Get a superhero family, make them feel normal, and then give them superpowers, elevate their story. They did an excellent job with that. Fantastic villain with Syndrome, fanboy turned villain, you know, everyone's nightmare of every troll on the internet that people are afraid to see that happen to. <laughs> this movie really captures a lot of that magic. The The vibe can't be given enough credit. That's 007 aesthetic is fantastic. This comes with a high recommend from me. John, where do you stand with this film? I give this film a B+. I thought overall it was a great movie, and it's definitely one that people should check out. Has gotten more attention, but at the time, I don't think it got enough for how good it was done. And the characters in this movie are very well done. And the fact that it came out way before all these other Marvel movies and stuff, and I feel like this movie was just all around good movie. No, it is. And it's going to be interesting to, when we get to the next video where we talk about Big Hero 6, this movie will be versing. Big Hero 6, a more modern superhero story, taking on maybe this more vintage superhero tale. It's going to be an interesting battle. I can't wait to see how the, the Disney film stacks up against the Pixar film. It's going to make for some very interesting content. John, where can the people find us at home? You can find us over on YouTube at the, the Real Movie Guys on YouTube. Go over there, like our channel, subscribe if you haven't already. Um, you can also find us over on Twitter at The Real Movie Guy on Twitter. Go over there, follow us. Tell us your opinion about this movie or other movies that you like in this Disney, Disney vs. Pixar movie. Um, you can also find us on Instagram, and you can also listen to us on many podcasting platforms such as... Yes, for your listening pleasure, we are also available in podcast form at iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast, Overcast, Breaker, Radio Public, and Pocket Cast. Be sure to give us a listen to any of those fine places. If you already are right now, <laughs> hey, we greatly appreciate it. Just search out Real Movie Guys, we should pop right up. Thank you again all so much for joining us for this episode of The Real Review. My name's Kevin. That guy over there, he is John. We are your Real Movie Guys. Real guys, real movies, real thoughts. The battle rages on as Real March Madness, Disney vs. Pixar continues. We'll catch you next time. See you!